Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Shared Iron Podcast. Today I'm delighted to be joined by, he's actually an ex-leader of the PUP, which is Progressive Unionist Party. He is husband of the absolutely brilliant Linda Irvine and he is brother of the deceased David Irvine. Welcome to the Shared Ireland Podcast, Brian Irvine, how are you? Thank you very much, Niles. Well, thank you, well. Brian, um, we, we aren't lifelong friends or anything, but I guess you and I first um, met, what, three, four years ago? Mm-hmm. And um, obviously we wouldn't agree on things politically. Oh, yep. But I have found you to be a very measured, a very reasonable. And um, I guess the biggest compliment I can pay you, Brian, is every time I come away from our conversations, I find myself regrettably pondering on everything that you said, <laughs> which I guess is a good thing. I absolutely wish my wife would do that too. You know? <laughs> Spe- speaking of your wife, Linda, uh, we were privileged and honoured to have Linda on the Shared Ireland podcast. It must be two years ago plus now. And for anyone that isn't aware, Linda is um, an advocate of um, Irish language and she runs a Taurus um, scheme and... Um, Linda is someone that I greatly admire because, um, as Linda rightfully says, the Irish language belongs to no one, um, you know, and um, it's a language and it's not been forced down anyone's throat the same way as Ulster Scots hasn't been forced down anyone's throat. And it's about culture and heritage and it belongs to us all. Brian, we always start off this podcast by um, getting our guest to... Tell us a little bit about you, who you are as a person, what shaped your thinking, your early years, mm. just for anyone that maybe isn't familiar okay. with you. I was born in the East Belfast, between the mountains and the gantries. Um, I was um, born into a Presbyterian home, uh, the Presbyterian church. They threw, uh, they threw water around me and called me names when I was too young to know where care. <laughs> I was beaten out by my mother every every every. Every Sunday afternoon to go to Sunday school, and I was there up until the age of eleven. And I said, "I'm not going any more, Mum. I'm not." And it was at Sunday school classes. All all the fighting was done afterwards in the in the toilets. You know, there was <laughs> that's where the arena was after mm-hmm. after school. So, um, so I came from working class Belfast family. Uh, my father was a member of the Northern Ireland Labour Party. Um, he and my, my elder brother, Johnny, they used to canvas for a guy called Tommy Boyd who held that seat in Mount in Pottinger, Pottinger Ward for years. And then in 1969, you know, uh, people began to shout about the border and uh, beat the drums and it reverted to back to unionism again. So I, I came, my mother was a red hot, uh, a red hot unionist, made Genghis Khan look like a choir boy, you know what I mean? <laughs> But my father was a socialist, not a Labour Party. <laughs> I went to school there, primary, we church school first, but attached to Presbyterian Church, McGain Memorial Church School, and then on to Avenue Primary School, and then the Grosvenor High School Grammar School, and then took off to Australia for uh, for a couple of years. I was converted to Christ. I became a Christian in Australia. Uh, when I say Christ, I mean uh, not a particular domination, but to the person of Jesus Christ, and that changed my life. Okay. What sparked your interest in, dare I say, modern day politics, Brian? Well, politics, I, I, I thought that my brother was, was involved in politics and I was encouraging him to go along the political road. 
uh, rather than... You're, you're referring to your late brother David? Brother David, yes, that's right. So and when we, you say encouraging him to go along the political road as opposed to... Well, he joined, he joined the UVF after Bloody Friday, after the bombs went off at Oxford Street and Bloody Friday. Mm-hmm. And then David joined the, uh, joined the UVF as a consequence of that. Um, there's a lad who came from uh, our district just around the corner from us, and his name was Irvine, but he was no relation of ours, Billy Irvine. Could, could have been, could have been any, could have been part of my family. And there was a wee 15 year old boy, um, he was a message boy there, he was he was killed at that time too. And his name was Crullers, so his mother left his, um, left his clothes out, couldn't accept that he was dead, you know. So those things they were, were traumatic, and I, that sort of, uh, that sort of, yeah, that's one of the reasons why. He, David became militant. Mm-hmm. So you encouraged David then to become to enter the political sphere as opposed to the paramilitary. Yes, well he was well he did time and stuff. He yeah. did time and long cash and stuff like that there, and then he came out and he was pretty articulate. And uh, I think that Gusty Spence had a profound influence on his life. Um, uh, you know, in, in there, and he sort of you know he urged them too to become political. But I have had my encouragement to go political too, you know, rather than rather than militant. Yeah, uh, I I think David, God rest his soul, will will long be remembered for a loyalist with very, as I would see them, forward thinking views, very inclusive views, yeah. and and someone who clearly walked the walk, but was prepared to, you know, reach out that hand yeah. of friendship and be inclusive. Is that yeah. fair? Well, that's true. That's true enough. He tried to, let's not sanitize him. He's, oh, a, yeah. he's on record as saying, did he have any regrets? Yes, and he didn't, he didn't sort of uh, do more damage to the enemy, you know. But uh, but certainly he was, yes, he was a forward thinker. He knew that, you know, that if we all, if it's an eye for an eye, everybody goes blind. And so that he wanted to have some form of uh, permanent political settlement in Northern Ireland, yeah. Brian, you, you and I obviously have many a, a private conversations, as I alluded to at the start here, and I always do genuinely uh, come away from them feeling um, feeling better for them, and it does make me think. So I've been at you for a long time. Would you speak to me on record? And eventually today um, you have agreed, and, and I appreciate that, and I hope our listeners will, will enjoy what you have to say as well. And we, we, we had a private conversation over dinner today, and and I'm now going to make it public, <laughs> and I'm asking you to regurgitate it. Okay. And my, and my question to you was, if I was Mary Lou Macdonald, <laughs> she's better than you. <laughs> it wasn't my heart. If I was Mary Lou Macdonald, and and I had the ability to say, Brian, in a new Ireland, hmm. how can I ensure? that you and your community's fears will be allayed and that starts now. Mm-hmm. What does Sinn Féin and the Republican movement need to do, not that they own this conversation, yes, yes, as yes, I've yes. already explained, civic yes. society and everybody has a stake in this conversation, yes. but you were saying that Sinn Féin, you know, you see them as being the big obstacle. So what would Mary Lou MacDonald and Sinn Féin need to do to ensure your comfort in joining this conversation? Okay, well, number one is it would be within the Northern Ireland context. If we don't make um, make it work in Northern Ireland, we're not going to make it work anywhere else, whether it's a, 
whether it's a, in a wider United Kingdom or a, a United Ireland. Just break that down for me. What do you mean by that exactly? Well, I mean that I mean that Northern Ireland now is the place where we are, and this is where we have to operate from. So we have to but, try but, to make. But, but how is Sinn Féin preventing that from happening? Well, the point is there are a number of a number of things I could suggest to Sinn Féin to make things better. Now the thing is, there are a number of things that my own community could also do to make things better. But you've asked me about Sinn Féin, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna I'm gonna talk exclusively uh, of about them. Yes. And say this: if you if you do this, things will be better. Yes. Well, number one, I think is a very basic thing. It's a very very, it's a small thing that could be done. Yet it is very, very symbolic. And what is recognise the state of Northern Ireland. And I say the word unambiguously. Call it by its proper name. Call it Northern Ireland. So just to be very clear here, (laughs) you would like me, I'm including me in this, by the way, um, nationalism, Sinn Féin and anybody wanting a new United Ireland to refer to the six counties at the minute as Northern Ireland, as opposed to the North of Ireland. You see, but what you're saying to me, anybody who wants a, a United Ireland, right? Anybody who wants, but we're we're not. We're, that's not here yet, right? What we have here is Northern Ireland, and we have the Good Friday Agreement in Northern Ireland. Mm-hmm. Now, in order to make Northern Ireland work, there has to be respect mm-hmm. and the withdrawal of fear. As I said, my my community needs to do a lot but I'm uh, you've asked me the question I'm answering that, that question yes and that is recognize the state of Northern Ireland unambiguously mm-hmm. now did you that has happened Sinn Féin have said yes we recognize that all right but de facto in practice I very rarely hear a Sinn Féin person say Northern Ireland or uh, you know address the country by its proper name now that gets up people's noses big style right it really does um, can, but, can, can I just hold you on this point yeah, for a wee yeah. second? Now, I appreciate it's a form of words and people may say, well, so what, sir, call it what you want. Yeah. It's not going to erode your British identity anymore. Bear with me here. But I understand if I want to sit in your shoes for a wee moment here. I understand, I do in fairness, see how that could be as disingenuous, how it could be, as you put it, rub yeah. your nose in it. So while it is only a form of words, and we all can choose to take offence or not. Yeah. That's within our right. But I accept your point that, that okay. it would be a gesture for want of better Absolutely. Word. And it's not only Sinn Féin <laughs> that do this. It's also the Republican, the Republic's government. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, Ireland comprises of two jurisdictions. One is Northern Ireland, which is part of the United Kingdom. The other is an independent republic. It's, it used to be, well, the, 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 the football team is called the Republic of Ireland football team. Mm-hmm. But they call themselves Ireland. Yeah, but, but that's obfuscation again. Again, it's leading to ambiguity. But but you do realise, and by the way, I'm not pushing back against you here. I'm just no, throwing no. this in. Northern Ireland is actually Donegal, you know. So um, you know, that's where Northern Ireland is. Donegal. Yes, but Northern Ireland. <laughs> I'm talking about the political entity, the yes. British jurisdiction of Northern <laughs> I Ireland. I can't help myself, Brian. I have to. I have to just hit you a wee digging all the time. Um, and right. we want it back. Yes. <laughs> So tell me, right, what's your yeah. next point to Sinn Féin, how they can help to create better conditions for you? All right, so apologise for what the IRA calls the armed struggle. Can I just hold you there? Yeah. Sinn Féin are not the IRA. So how can they apologise for All the right. IRA? All right, at one, time, at one time you had the IRA and it morphed into Sinn Féin. 
and uh, and it would be it would be, news. well the point is it did you know you know it did and as well as that you know as far as I'm led to believe the army council still exists and still would have an influence an influence on Sinn Féin. Right. Obviously, Brian, I'm very tempted to say that the Loyalist paramilitaries are still active 25 years after the Good Friday Agreement, but I won't go down that road because you're right. My question was to you and I want you to answer. Okay, fair enough. But but I'm just going to go back to you now about an apology. An apology for what? Apology for what? The armed struggle for Le Mans, for Bloody Friday, for all the things, for, for, the, for the campaign of murder on the border against the border Protestants. Now, I'm just going to go back to your question. Remember, I'm speaking, I'm asking you this question yeah. imaginary yeah. from, say, Mary Lou McDonald's point yeah, of view. Yeah, yeah. So how can Mary Lou or anybody in Sinn Féin apologise for something that they didn't do? Well, they can apologise on behalf of the organisation. I mean, for example, David Cameron apologised for um, Bloody Sunday, right? I mean, why can't uh, Sinn Féin or the president of Sinn Féin or even the IRA through Sinn Féin apologise for what they have done in the past, the atrocities that they committed in the past. So I mean, that, I mean, don't forget that the loyalist, uh, the loyalist, um, the loyalist at the time of the ceasefires, they apologised. Gusty Spence uh, apologised for the the, the 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 mayhem that they had caused um, during that campaign. So you would like a form of words, Brian, from the Republican leadership, shall I say that? Um, there is an apology for um, atrocities that have happened in their name in the past. Yes, and not only a form of words, but I hope the heart goes with it as well. Well, obviously, there's, there's no point saying something <laughs> yeah. if, you, if you don't mean it. <laughs> Tell me this just, how would that make you as a unionist, um, Brian, how would that honestly make you feel if you did hear something like that? Well, we could say, number one, is if some, number one, they recognise, number one, that they're... they're, they're, they're uh, their struggle was bloody and it was against an awful lot of innocent people and that they, they could apologise to those people for that. I mean, Jerry Fitt was on record as saying that the, 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 uh, what, we, what they were asking for, what people were asking for, uh, civil rights and stuff, wasn't worth a broken leg, never mind 3,000 dead. Now, the IRA didn't kill 3,000, but they killed a hell of a lot of them, you know. So an apology for that. So so you do understand how um, an apology does mean a lot, Brian? Oh, of course it does. The, the, same, think, yeah. the same way as victims and survivors yeah. Yeah. would like an apology Absolutely. from the British government yes. for, for their collusive behaviour yes. with the RUC yes. and UDR down well, through well, the we'll years it, as well, we'll as, as, opposed to, well, well, as opposed to drawing a line on their what the British but, government yes, are but, currently but trying you see, to do. But you're having equivalence, sir. You're having equivalence of a terrorist organisation with a, with, with, the, with a lawfully appointed uh, you know, Crown Forces. Right. The vast majority of Crown Forces didn't do that. There were there were elements within the crown forces like uh, special ops and stuff like that who did do it, and who murdered by proxy and who and who uh, and who also controlled um, people like Scapatici and other people like that uh, within within the within with both organisations really. But yes, there were people like that. Yes, but the vast majority of of uh, of, of crown forces didn't do that. And, were, and we're under there, and actually we're under restraint. Stephen Travers of the Miami Showband yes. says it was systemic. Well, the point is, you know, that, that he's he's in, he's entitled to say that, but the, but I believe that they weren't. It wasn't systemic. It wasn't systemic. And the fact is, had it not been for the Ring of Steel 
provided by the security forces, we would have had a we we look at the ball the the, the fog or the not the ball the the look at Rwanda, look at the Balkans, look what happened there when people when people who hated each other were let loose upon each other. And that could have happened in Northern Ireland, but for those security forces and a British Treasury that backed them up. I, I, I guess we could, um, you know, go back and forth on this all day. But to be fair to you, that isn't why I invited you on. No, okay. so I don't okay. want I don't want to be setting you okay. up or going down that road. You know. Yeah, yeah. So, getting back to the question again, is if I was Mary Lou Macdonald, my question to you, Brian, was what can I and Sinn Féin currently do to make you feel more welcome? If and when a new Ireland, united Ireland, shared Ireland does come about. Again, well, that's number one. Number one was to recognise the state of Northern Ireland. Yeah. Number two was to apologise. Yeah. Number three, I believe, is stop glorying, glorifying the, 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 the violence. I mean, I was shocked to, I was shocked to find out that a poll carried out uh, among nationalists reported that 70% of nationalists, you know, believed that the, the armed struggle was legitimate. Now, a lot of those kids, they were probably a lot of youngsters, a lot of kids, a lot of very young people. And, you know, that's been the propaganda and that's been the, you know, the glorification of violence. By, or, or could by, you by say, Brian, that, that maybe they just studied history and they realised that, that that's what happened? Well, somebody shooting somebody in the back or somebody planting the bomb to kill, you know, 15 people in a bar or something like that. I mean, if, if, if the IRA were soldiers... Then they need to be they need to be brought to trial for atrocities committed against against the population, the civilian population. So you're saying, Brian, number three on your list would be, just repeat it. Stop glorifying violence. Now you're t- actually talking about it here. Elected members of Sinn Féin turning up to commemorations and stuff, or yes. are you going broader than that? Well, the point is, I'm going broader than that. I mean, basically, that would be a start. You know, that would be a start. But the point is, you know, they they. They embrace this. They 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 sort of um, eulogize this, and I think this is detrimental to to relationships on, on on in Northern Ireland. Right, human basis here, Brian. If they stop that, how would that make you feel? How would that comfort you? How would that reassure you? Well, the point is again, it comes down to the fact that again, it, it follows it follows from the apology. If there's an apology, then I believe that would automatically happen or should happen. Yes. Okay. That would be a one would be a consequence of the other. Right. So you have you a fourth point? I've a couple more. <laughs> no no problem. <laughs> I've got one hundred and sixty four here. We've got all the time in the world. We've got all the time in the world. Number five. The recognition of and toleration of religion and culture. Of, you know, orange marches, of of uh bonfires or whatever. Now that I don't mean the willy the willy nilly uh, the willy nilly or complete embracing of unionist culture. I'm not saying that, but at least the toleration of it. And instead of chip, chip, chipping away all the time and undermining all the time. Right. Right. Can I just halt you there yeah. one second? I want, I want to question you about that if you don't mind. So currently, as we speak, in 2022, or nearly the end of it, actually, do you see that as something that has actually happened? Do you see what you call your culture, your heritage, Namely, being bonfire restrictions, uh, removal of a union flag, um, being flown uh, on government buildings, um, the promotion of Irish language and yeah. stuff. Do you see all these things as an erosion of your culture, Brian? Well, put it like this here: um, 
Uh, we talked for, for 50 years, people complained, nationalists complained about majoritarianism, that there was always going to be a majority uh, rule here, all right? And that therefore nationalists weren't going to get a, a proper shout. And to a certain extent, there was some justification in that. To a certain extent? Yes. Well, well, <laughs> well, you, would well, you like well, to go well, a little well, bit well, further? Well, I'm going to go a little bit further. <laughs> but it seems a bit thin when, you know, uh, when there is majoritarianism practiced in nationalist councils. When nationalist councils, the union flag is not even flown, even on designated days, so much for the sensitivities of their unionist, their unionist minorities. Now, Linda and I, actually, Linda was going to give a talk on Irish to uh, Downpatrick Council. And uh, we went down there and we were approached by unionist councillors who, who apologised to us that they were not going to be at the talk. But the reason was they weren't against the Irish language. They were quite happy and supportive of what Linda was doing. But they reject, they, they, they were, uh, how can you say, they were pissed off with how the, how the majority in, in the council overrode them as far as uh, Irish language signage in Downpatrick was concerned. So can, can, can I just kind of, in my own tin pot yeah. way here, summarise what you're saying? Okay. So, so you're saying in nationalist council areas, where clearly yeah. nationalists have the majority of votes, yeah, yeah. that they are putting the Irish language um, bill and signage, and they're putting the signage in all areas, even the areas that would be predominantly unionist. They're still putting up this Irish signage. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. They, these guys, believe, they did not want Irish signage in, in the Downpatrick yes, area. Yes, and yes, And the point is, that's that was their beef. And I, and, and I then assume that it was because but it was their own areas as well yes. in that area. I don't know. I can't be. I can't confirm that. But the thing is that that's what their beef was. The yes. beef was not the Irish language. Mm -hmm. The beef was how can you say the imposition mm -hmm. of something upon them against their will. So so are you saying, Brian, that that you would like to see Sinn Féin, as you see it, stop this drive? to promote everything that suits their narrative exactly. and the erosion of everything that's exactly. your... Exactly. It's all about, uh, it's, it's about, uh, it's about Irish unification narrative all the way, every time. Okay, point number six. Point number six. Um, pledge to make Northern Ireland a new Northern Ireland. That it would be mutual tolerance and that they would work for the good of the country. Uh, alongside others uh, from from uh, from the unionist community. Can I say something here? Yeah, yeah. Currently, what's the DUP doing to make Northern Ireland work, considering that they ha are not forming an executive? Well, now, it isn't about Austin's and them. I yeah. accept that. But it's just a natural response that I All have. All right, well, the point is that the, the main thing about that was the protocol and how the protocol was introduced, so that was said by Europe and by the British government, to protect the good but Friday agreement. But you do accept that the protocol is a direct consequence of Brexit, which yes, the DUP but, championed. I mean, yes, but not all. But not all unionists voted for for the DUP. I voted. I voted to remain within the European Union. Thousands of unionists voted to well, remain. The majority of the people in, in Northern Ireland. Yeah, fifty eight percent. Oh, hold on, yeah, you yeah. didn't acknowledge the way I said Northern Ireland. There, glad to hear it. But the majority, you're getting there. You're but, getting but the majority of people in the north of Ireland, Brian, um, voted to remain within the European Union. Yes, that's Union. right. 
That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. But it was a UK vote. Of course it was. It was a yes, UK yes, vote. Yes. So anyway, getting back to your point, your sixth question was, you want Sinn Féin to promote and and to try and genuinely make Northern Ireland work. Yes. And if they do, if that, if that happens, you see, if Northern Ireland doesn't work, I, I mean, Irish, some form of Irish unit isn't going to work either. So, so we can't so, crack it here. So you're it's saying, so you're saying, let's see how you make this place work, and then you may exactly. consider looking at a bigger project. Yes, and put the border poll on the back burner. Put the constitutional issue in the back. How burner. long would you like us to put it in the back burner for? Well, for as long <laughs> for a hundred for a hundred well, years until you <laughs> until until you until you attain uh, a, a majority, a, 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 a political majority within the Stormont institutions, right? To to um to warrant a border poll by a secretary of state, Brian. Um, I know you won't mind me coming back at you here, oh, yes. <laughs> and and you have accepted, and that's one of the things that I like about you, Brian, is that you have accepted that um Northern Ireland was designed and built and created to always have a unionist majority. Yes, that majority now has gone. Yeah. It's evaporated a yeah. hundred years yeah. after its foundation. So one could argue that now is the time because. The unionist majority is no longer there. Bear with me here. Um, that now is the time to at least start having the conversation, not looking for a border poll tomorrow or next week, but start looking at the conversation, the outworkings of it, Brian, how it would look. And this is why it's vitally important, Brian, that we have conversations with you and your community yeah. because we don't want to force you into something yeah. that you clearly feel as if will be a cold house for unionism. Yes, but the British, the, British, the British had partition to avoid a bloodbath in Ireland, to avoid a civil war, a bloody civil war in Ireland. I mean, there was going to be a civil war and then the, 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 the world war broke out and then the, the spotlight of history, you know, shifted to Europe. And then, and then after, the, after the war, uh, you know, they, they, shelled, they shelled that they partitioned Ireland in order to avoid a bloodbath. And the thing is that we still have partition, uh, and the partition's there again to avoid very, very grievous violence. And it's still there. That's why it's there. I have a question for you, Brian, and I sincerely mean this. Do you think Northern Ireland's working? Well, it's working to the... <laughs> we'll put it like this. It hasn't worked for about 40 years. I believe that it, it had a chance of working with the Good Friday Agreement. I believe that there was a lot in that that... It didn't please anybody, really, but it was a, a, a it was something that we could use in order to. It was like how could you say it was like um, a scaffolding, during which we we could build an edifice that would last a political edifice at last. But the the scaffolding took over from the building of the edifice, and instead of having for fifty years a one party, uh, one party corrupt state. We now have a two-party corrupt state. And so I, I believe that we would have a, a, a moratorium should also be taken as far as the Good Friday Agreement is concerned to see what did work and what didn't work. And then with agreement, you know, change the things, implement the things that, do, that, that, that do work and the things that don't work, chop them off. Tell me this, are you a defender of the Good Friday Agreement? Oh, it's hard for me to say I'm a defender of it. For me, it's a it's as good as it gets. It's about the best that there is for both communities. Um, the alternative, well, the alternatives aren't very good, you know, for anybody. Just speaking of the alternatives, and these are my words, not yours, yeah, by yeah. the way. Um, 
Now, I know you've told me privately that you didn't read the the LCC statement yeah. that they issued on behalf yeah. of UVF, UDA and Red Hand yeah, Commandos. Yeah, yeah. But you've got the sense of, I yeah, guess, of yeah. why they issued the statement. Yes, yes. Now, I, you're, not, you're only speaking for Brian Irving. Yes, that's right. You're not speaking for any political yes, party yes. or any organisation. But because you're the ex-leader of the PUP, I'm very interested, as I'm sure our listeners would be, what's your genuine take on that statement or the sense of it and the pulse in the loyalist, and I'm talking about combative yeah. community here, not unionism. Yes, yes. Well, I think that, I mean, basically for a long time, when, when after the good, sending of the Good Friday Agreement, Tony Blair said, uh, give me, I will, I will deal with Sinn Féin and the Chief Constable will deal with the, with the loyalists, <clears throat> which was code for, say, I will, I will sanitise Sinn Féin, make them ready for government. And the chief constable will criminalise and demonise the the the, the uh, loyalists very quickly. And, and that's exactly what happened. I promise you, I won't do a Stephen Nolan keep butting in. But like you, the loyalism has criminalised itself, Brian, with the greatest of respect, by turning into uh, a so-called paramilitary organisation into a glorified drug organisation for the past twenty-five years. No, well, and there are elements within loyalism that are criminal, in the same way that there are still elements within republicanism in the form of dissidents who are gangsters as well. You know, so that's going to happen. So um, when an army doesn't fight, it, it has a tendency to deteriorate. But the fact is that, that there are people who are very, very dedicated people, people who are idealistic people, people who are concerned about their, their communities and their countries. So just giving, going back to the LCC statement, which again, you didn't read, but you understand the yeah, sense of yeah, it. Sense just of talk it. to me more about that. Well, basically, I think, I think that basically that... that um, the combatants have held back and have been held back by their enlightened leadership for a long, long time. Uh, even though in the face of provocation, in the face of misrepresentation, in the face of, how can you say, um, deliberate um, deliberate um, misrepresentation, um, where, where they are, were, were painted by the media and stuff as, you know, an underclass, all this, the reintroduction of the supergrass system in order to demonize again, keep demonizing. Of course, both both those those things ran into the sand, but it was an attempt just to demonize. And then the, then the red tops got a hold of it. And it was just just one form of propaganda against one sex of the community for years. Brian, it is said that that the UDA leadership has basically um or is the, sorry, no, the UVF leadership yeah. is, is in place this number of years. Then people are obviously <laughs> getting older. Um, so is it the younger <laughs> cohorts in these organisations now that are putting pressure? And I know you don't know, but what's your opinion? My opinion has been, my, my opinion, it's a miracle that they haven't become violent sooner. And uh, <coughs> I hope and pray that Europe and the British government come to some solution where the protocol is acceptable to unionism. Because the protocol at the present time is totally unacceptable to all shades of unionism. See, the protocol was introduced um, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a child of Brexit, which many, as I said before, many unions didn't vote for. But the thing is that the, the reason debt before it, they said, was to save the Good Friday Agreement. Well, it has failed to do that. In fact, it is in danger of completely destroying the Good Friday Agreement. So unless the governments come together and the European Union and, and Britain 
and have some form of um, protocol or, or something, uh, something like it, but but different that will that will sort of um, I can appease unionism. Right, right. I've heard what you say. Then it's 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 what it's it's, it's it, ill days are ahead. Right, Brian. Ill days are ahead. Yeah. Honestly, now, and I say that honestly, sarcastically, Brian. Are you honestly telling me, as a reasonable man, which I know you to be, are you saying? If we don't get what we want here, folks, that we'll huff and we'll puff and we'll literally blow your house down. Because that's effectively what the LCC statement is doing. Unless we get our way here, we're going to return to violence. Is well, that acceptable well, in a so-called democracy? Well, the point in a so-called, so-called democracy, um, something has impo- been imposed upon the, upon the unionist people against their will. Well, sure, you can, you can had, speak to any nationalist yes, about that. We know how well, that feels. Well, that's right. Well, that's quite true. Well, the point is the boot is in the other foot now. And the fact is so? that, that unionism has been, if, if, they can't, if they can't negotiate and the, and, and the government do not listen. But how do you negotiate when you stop turning up to north-south ministerial meetings? How do you negotiate when you're not in Stormont? Hold on, Brian. How do you negotiate when you're not in Stormont? How do you negotiate when you refuse to talk to people, draw up the drawing bridges and say, listen, on, unless we get what we want, um, no Stormont, no executive, no north-south ministerial meetings, cost of living crisis, and also we're, we're, we're going to start returning to war. The protocol is in co- contradiction to the Act of Union, which guarantees free um, transmission of goods throughout the United Kingdom. Now, the protocol has actually blown that out of the water, right? So the point, as well as that there, they're saying we're going to have a border down one part of the community, another, where we're going to treat, we're going to treat uh, Great Britain virtually as a foreign country, where we're, we're going to be taxed. British goods are going to be taxed and vice versa, which is pretty ridiculous. So it's a bit like saying, you know, Donegal is going to be part of the British economy and it's going to be under British uh, financial rules uh, and, it's, and it's going to be different from the rest of Ireland. People be up in arms about that. The Irish government would be up in arms about that. Brian, <laughs> can, 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 I would like to give you the opportunity. Yeah. Um, what you, you know, I'm assuming you don't endorse any threat or return to violence. I don't want to see any violence at all. I said, but if you alienate people, if you misrepresent them, if you if you um, demean them and make fun of them in many ways, then what you're doing, you're you're pushing them into a corner. And if you push any people, it doesn't matter where in the world it is, then you will get a violent reaction there. What I'm saying is this here, that at the present time, unionism is in a corner. Violent unionism, as some of them are burst, uh, <laughs> chomping at the bit, and a but a but for their leadership who have held them back, it could be a very very nasty nasty situation. If you could appeal to Brian now, elements within violent loyalism, yeah. as you call them, and if any of them happen to be listening to you and I speak now, which I doubt, yeah. genuinely, Brian. Send them, send them a message. Well, number one is I, I don't believe that years of violence solved anything. What the, Scotch, what the Scots proved was that they nearly came within their goal by the ballot box and by, by peaceful... Indy Ref 1? Yes, peaceful and democratic means, right? It's a possibility that they could attain their, their goal through those means. That violence will only be counterproductive 
that young lives will be wasted, kids will go back into jail and stuff again, and it'll be nasty, and we'll be counting our dead again. So it isn't worth it. Don't do it. Just leave it to the politicians. And I would appeal to the politicians, especially the European politicians and the British politicians, <laughs> to really get this sorted. If we can crack the protocol, we would be in for an era of peace and prosperity that we've never known before. Brian, I'm going to ask you a question that I honestly hate people asking. <laughs> so I'm just going to, but I'm, yet now I'm still going to ask it to you. And the question is this, and it bugs me what times when people say, how do you think somebody that's dead would react? Because oh, like yeah. that's a guessing game. Yeah, because yeah, you, yeah. You know, none of us can speak for the dead. <laughs> yeah. But I'm going to ask it to you anyway. How do you think your late brother, um, David, would react? And what would he be saying now? Because let's face it, probably nobody knew him better politically than yourself. Oh, I don't know. I, I really, at the present time... Um, See, David didn't believe he was going to be re-elected again. He was wondering whether he would be re-elected again. And of course he died and that was it. And of course somebody was elected. I mean, you could have said a, a five-year-old boy, you know, for election after David's death and he would have been elected on the, you know, the sympathy vote. But I think what he wanted to do was jaw, 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 not war, 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 to, to, reach, um, to reach some situation. The big problem with that is it's the European government and, and the British government are negotiating this. The British government have proved themselves to be the liars and duplicious. Certainly our Prime Minister did. Funny enough, we have found that as a nationalist. Yes, of course. Yes, but, we, <laughs> but you see, don't forget, you see, everybody has this idea you, 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 that we are, we're, we're, we're ultra, we're, we're ultra, you know, ultra British and stuff. And that we, we, we swallow everything the British government tell us. Mm. Even from the inception of the states... There has been always that tension between unionism and the British government. Unionism has never trusted the British is that, government. Is that because, Brian, you realise that, that the English Tories basically don't give two hoots about well, it? I agree with that. That's true. But you see, don't forget, they, didn't give it, they don't give a stuff about Scotland or Wales either. Exactly. But the point is the Welsh and the Scots and the Northern Irish are part of the union. But but this kind of baffles me. If you accept that, which you're only after accepting that they don't give two hoots about you, yeah. why is this in seemingly incessant, you know, want to be so wedded to them? Because because it's a family of nations. It's, you know, one of the most successful unions in history. Um, with all what, You mean was? Well, it was, yes. It's, it's, okay. it's sort of, it's, it's under threat now. Well, under I would threat, like to, I would like, well, I would, in yes, six weeks. But I would like to see a moratorium on the union, as a matter of fact. The union now is not fit for purpose. So I would love to see a moratorium where all the Welsh and the Scots, uh, the English and the Northern Irish get together and start thinking about the union, what can make it work and what, what, what doesn't make it work. But the thing is, but the thing is, that's, we're part of a family uh, with blood. I mean, you heard, you heard the day, you know, they spoke Irish, the Irish regiment, some of them gave their orders in Irish at the Battle of Waterloo. I mean, there th I mean, the, the, the Irish regiments virtually uh, supported um, Wellington during the uh, Iberian, during the time in Portugal and Spain. They won it, you know what I mean? For So so the thing is, you cannot, the, the British Navy, half the British Navy at the time of Nelson were Irishmen. From both sections of the community. You, you, know? you mentioned there you were like a moratorium, <laughs> so of England, Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland, and all also, kind of a conversation. What I would love. But Brian, can yeah. I just add, we, we actually, you know, agree on quite a lot because yeah. what, what we are looking at, and I say we as 
advocates of, of constitutional change. We want a citizens' assembly so that we all can have a conversation about our island here moving yeah. forward. And and I heard, by the way, and and I know you and I were in a meeting today, and it was under Chatham House rules, so we can't yeah, you know yeah, start yeah. quoting people, but. Um, there was a, a high-ranking DUP member at the meeting, yeah, and and they said that um, that the British government cannot be trusted because repeatedly, as we have all seen this, Boris threw the DUP under the bus not once, yeah. not twice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was actually a pastime yes, for him yes, at yes. one stage, yeah. you know. So, so like you know, we have a lot in common here mm. as, as Irish people. British people, however we want to self-identify, yeah. this is our home, Brian. And, and and no matter what happens, whether we're a remain part of the Union or a New Ireland, this will still be our home. I will still be an Irish man. You will still be an Irish man, a British man, a yeah. Unionist, however. But let's make this place work, Brian, without yes, being yes. reliant on a Tory government by your own admission that doesn't yes. care about Wales, yeah. Scotland yes. Yes. or us. But I would say that, you know, the, the union is bigger than any government or any party. It's bigger than the Tory government or Boris Johnson or, 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 or uh, Sunak or whoever's there. It's bigger than any... Sec- how many secretaries of state have we, have we had come and gone here? You know, but um, so I would like... The, I, the union is bigger than that. And as well as that, I'd like to see a moratorium in the union. See, the Nationalist says to me, why should six counties opt out of a united Ireland? And our retort is, why should 26 counties opt out of a united British Isles? The only time that Ireland has been united was under the Crown. Brian, we are 42 minutes in here. Uh, this was not planned, as no doubt most of our listeners can clearly hear. <laughs> Listen, I'm going to tail off. We always ask a few standard questions. Yes. A more slightly relaxed, lighthearted yes, note yes, to everybody. Yes. And I appreciate these are going to be fired at you without any preparation. <laughs> Who inspires you in life, Brian? The Lord Jesus Christ. He is my saviour. He's my Lord. He is uh, my re- my resident detra for living, yeah. <laughs> Best piece of advice you have ever received and give our listeners a piece of advice. Uh, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be added unto you. I see there's a theme here. There is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, if you could be PM for yeah. one day, yeah. what one rule, providing that you could, yeah. would you change I'd or introduce? Change or introduce? Oh, my God, it's a tough one. That is a real tough one. A rule? A rule? Or a law? Or, a, you know, something that morally you would yeah. like to see happen? What I would or? love to see is, I would love to see... Um, um, see all see the people here getting all these uh, these um, the money they get you know for 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 expenses and stuff. I would love to see a block of flats made and turned into really really turned into beautiful flats, and then a shuttle service from Westminster to the flats, and I would. I would, I would strip these characters of a lot of their expenses. Oh, okay. I, I was wondering where you were going with that. So basically, you, you want to stop our politicians um, getting nearly as much uh, uh, money in, in yes. expenses than they are in wages. They get their snouts out of the trough. Yes, very good. Water or alcohol, Brian? 
What do you mean for for I would well you're, you're only you're only allowed well, one, one drink now water or alcohol. Well, I would take I would take I would take a drop I would take a drop of alcohol. So oh, indeed, I know you do. Use a little wine for thy stomach's sake and thy oft infirmities. That's what Paul told Timothy. <laughs> very good, very good. <laughs> favorite county in Ireland. I love um, there's there's two two there's two there's Donegal, and there's Kerry. Uh-huh. I love those two. Probably Donegal would just edge it. Yeah, because it's closer and you're a bit lazy. Well, it's probably that, <laughs> but it's also beautiful. It's also very yeah, beautiful. Yeah. You know. Last question, and this is a standard one again we ask everybody. If you could invite three people to your fictional dinner party, either dead <laughs> or alive, who would them three people be, Brian? But maybe more importantly, why? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Oh, that, that, would, that would be cheating. That would be cheating. <laughs> oh, my God. But that would only be one person. <laughs> that would be, I would go, probably the Lord, of course, the Lord himself. But right. um, who else would I like to invite as well? Someone who's in the past, they was, they was, have been sort of inspired by. Oh, it's a, that's a very difficult question, you know. Probably William Shakespeare. Good one. And Sean O'Casey. Okay. Why? <laughs> well, I love, I love, um, I do a wee bit of writing myself, you know, too. And, and, uh, oh, and they don't fortunately. And Sean O'Casey was. I, I had to sit through a couple uh, of your writings. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sean O'Casey was, I mean, I, I, I love his stuff, you know. I mean, he wrote, wrote the greatest war play ever, ever called The Silver Tassie. Very rarely produced. And I saw it in the, the games at the Gate Theatre in Dublin. And of course, William Shakespeare. My goodness, mm-hmm. fantastic what he did, you know. Yeah, Ryan Irving. It's been an absolute pleasure spending another forty-five minutes in your company. I say that through gritted teeth. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, thank you very much, Brian. Um, if you did enjoy what you heard, folks, um, a retweet would be appreciated, and don't be afraid to leave a comment under the thread <laughs> sorry I know you're bursting to say something else I'll give you the last no, word Brian no just all the very best to everybody out there God bless you thank all you right. thank you very oh, much if you want to say slan <laughs> slan go for it okay. <laughs> slan go for it right thank you very much folks thanks for listening take care bye bye